The Holy Gospel according to John, the second chapter. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We are invited to the wedding at Cana in Galilee today, where Jesus performed his first miracle, transforming water into wine. So I have been thinking about weddings this week, including my own. Phil and I got married on a very hot day in July of 1999, right here in this sanctuary. When Phil saw me in my wedding dress for the first time, I was carrying a bouquet of calla lilies. They have long, lovely, long, thick green stems with white flowers on the end. And Phil's first words to me were not, I am the luckiest man in the world, or you are a ravishing bride, they were, why are you carrying leeks? <laughs> now that may not seem very romantic, but the man did give up his entire life in the United Kingdom to come to Minnesota and marry me, so that's pretty romantic. It was a lovely ceremony. It was everything I had hoped and dreamed. Family, friends, and so many members of the church celebrated with us. Jesus was here, too, in the bread and the wine, in the worship, in the love, in the joy. Two of Phil's friends came from England for the wedding, and they stayed for a while. It was, after all, a very long trip. So I did spend the first week of my honeymoon with three gentlemen, <laughs> Phil, Andrew, and Steve, all good friends who had worked together for decades in horse racing. I still haven't heard all of Philip's racing stories, some of which are not pulpit-worthy, but all of which are enormously entertaining. Phil and I have been rubbing along pretty nicely together for all these years. 
I have even learned that Phil prefers direct communication to the silent treatment, so that's good to know. And to be fair, I probably try his patience more than he tries mine. After all, in addition to being known to some of you as St. Philip the husband, he is also called poor long-suffering Phil. <laughs> and darling, if you are watching, you still make my heart beat faster. Our wedding banquet was a lot of fun. Phil gave a beautiful thank you speech at the beginning, impressing me to tears. The only thing that went wrong, and I think it must be a universal wedding requirement that at least some little thing go awry, somehow the wine was not put on the tables until the meal was well underway. It's not that the servers were just standing around. They were all working hard. Maybe they were short-staffed. Maybe somebody forgot. I don't know. Well, they corrected the situation, but I think our guests got a little thirsty before the wine arrived. Which, of course, brings us to our gospel reading today, the wedding at Cana in Galilee. Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. They arrived when it was in process. Weddings lasted several days, and it was a sacred obligation of the host to keep the guests fed the whole time. It would be social disgrace for the bride and groom if anyone experienced uh, or went home hungry or thirsty. Jesus' mother was already there. Keep in mind that we are in John's Gospel, and just a chapter before, in his majestic prologue, we hear this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now in chapter 2, we learn that the Word has a mommy, and she is concerned because the wine has run out at the wedding banquet. So she looks to her son to do something about it. He hasn't done any signs or miracles yet at this point in his life. This will be the first one. But let's stop and consider for a moment what we have learned from the other Gospels. Mary already knows that Jesus' daddy is the Holy Spirit, that a star in the sky proclaimed his birth and brought the Magi to him, that when he was 12 and she and good husband Joseph couldn't find him, where did he show up but in the temple, speaking with wisdom beyond his years, and when he was baptized, God's voice came from heaven and called him beloved. So I think his mommy, of all people, would have had a deep knowing about her son. So when horrors, the wine ran out at the wedding banquet, she turned to him to save the day. And in spite of the fact that he said his hour had not yet come, which in John means his death on the cross and resurrection. And did a shiver run up Mary's spine when he said that about his hour? Well, in spite of that, Mary knew her son could be counted on, and she said to the servants, just do what he tells you. Now, if you are a servant at this wedding, this is where your day gets really interesting. You know the six big jars sitting there are made of stone, and they hold about 180 gallons of water used for washing before and after meals for religious purity and for cleanliness. 
You know that with so many guests using the water, the jars are depleted. Jesus tells you to fill the jars with water, and you do as you are told. Of course, it's very hard work to go back to the well over and over, filling the smaller containers and lugging them to the stone jars, pouring it in, go back for more, filling them all to the brim. But you do it. And anyway, there's something about this Jesus person that kind of makes you want to be around him and do what he says. But all the time you're doing that, you are wondering what difference this water could make to the wine crisis. No sooner have you filled the jars than Jesus says to draw some out and take it to the chief steward. Really? Okay, we do as we are told. But wait. What you are drawing out of the jar is not the water you poured in. It is now wine. You, lowly servant, with your own eyes, are the first to witness that the water has changed into wine. Gallons and gallons of it. Enough for the wedding. Enough for the whole village. Enough for the bride and groom to serve for a long time. You are the first to see what Jesus has done, and no one has ever seen anything like it. Jesus tells you to take it to the chief steward, so with awe and wonder you do, wide-eyed and carrying a miracle. The steward doesn't know where it came from and wonders why they kept the best wine for last, but you know. You, lowly servant, doing what you were told, you get to see the miracle and be a little part of it. I wonder, did you go back to Jesus? Did you look into his eyes, your questions unspoken, knowing that something way beyond wine was happening? And did Jesus maybe give you a hand on the shoulder and a smile? And then would you, along with Mary and the disciples, start to connect the dots? Would you be reminded of wine images from your scriptures? Abundant wine in the Bible was a sign to you of nothing less than God's goodness. Amos had proclaimed, The time is surely coming, says the Lord, when the mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. Amos's prophecy points you to a new age when God's Messiah will enter history to restore Israel. It happened that day at Cana in Galilee at a wedding when Jesus turned water into abundant wine and the servants got to carry it in their own hands and their lives would never be the same. My friends, you are servants too, who are given the opportunity every day to carry a miracle into this world. In fact, when we come here together and worship, one of the things that happens to us is that we're filled up with the abundant goodness and generosity of God, like Amos's mountains dripping with wine. God's extravagantly abundant love flows into us precisely with the purpose of sending it back into the world with hands dripping with miracles our world so desperately needs. I wonder today, 
What miracle are you carrying? And how will God use it for transformation? The miracle the servants carried in their hands was a vessel of water turned into wine. The miracle in your hands may take many different forms. A time of prayer with someone that brings comfort in a time of darkness. A moment of vulnerable honesty with a dear one that restores a relationship. An act of reconciliation from an injury long ago that sets someone free. Standing with the oppressed for a better world for everyone. Maybe the miracle you carry looks like that. Or it may be the ordinary bag of clothing given to Interfaith, which God gets to the person who needs it for the interview for a job that will change a family. Or it may look like an ordinary sack of groceries that fills a tummy so a child can concentrate in school. It may be that carefully wrapped Christmas gift for a shelter resident, the first gift he received in 20 years that gave him hope because someone in a church cared about him. Water into wine. It's all water into wine, with both the giver and the receiver changed. This is the epiphany season, when our scriptures show us manifestations or appearances of who Jesus is. We remember that star in heaven that directed the Magi to him, that when he was baptized, God's voice called him beloved son, that he is a miracle worker, and more in the weeks to come. My friends, today we see that we get to be part of the epiphany story too. Not only God in heaven and the stars and the scriptures, but we servants are also epiphany makers. When we carry our miracles into God's world, we also help to make Christ manifest. We show those around us that we belong to the Savior who is pure and abundant love. Love from the beginning. Love here and now. Love to eternity. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Um,